My certain translation certain. is, uh, how will I know this for certain? Right. That's well, it, yeah. well, you got an angel sitting there in front of you. <laughs> uh, his name is Gabriel. Uh, I made the joke that uh, if that happened at Fuquay, y'all going, y'all all gonna have wet pants. <laughs> I'm gonna be inside dry, laughing at you. Look at him out there. <laughs> and uh, but no, there'd be some that be I'd go get them. Uh, but. Uh, but Gabe, when he had to go back to school, he was uh, really upset about it. He said, I'm going to miss our time together. I said, our time together? I said, I said, you've been sick and I've been working. Yeah. He said, I know, but still we're here together. I said, what? We miss my time together. I, mean, I hate going out. i got to go back to school. That's all that means, man. Here, I was getting sentimental. You mean that, You mean he wasn't yeah. being sentimental? Yeah, he's just, uh, I'm going to miss my time together. I like that. Time. It's I like that. Well, I'm recording already. Welcome hey, back to the other 167. Um, wanted to do the deep dive on Mary a little bit today as what we said uh, last week and is it played out I didn't I don't think I planned this all right. but I must have at some point and forgot that I planned it because it right. worked out perfect that I just finished Mark and oh, started good. Luke and nice. as I was looking what do I read next I said well Luke comes next and I thought yeah. well Luke 1 heck on that's perfect mm-hmm. so I read Luke right, 1 right and 2 this morning it. right before he came over here so I don't think you want to just cover everything in Luke 1 and 2, because that's a lot, uh-huh. but, the, but the story, it's, there's a, a lot of cool things that, um, I don't know, not as they go unnoticed, but just really cool little things. I think there's a, an interesting, for example, uh, there's a pretty good contrast between how Zacharias handled mm. the news and how Mary handled the news. And, and if and, you look at how they handled the news, it almost reads the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, they both almost that's, asked that, the same yeah, question. It was, and, and it's very similar. How that's can what, this be? So I, I, so I read Zacharias, and I was like, ooh, he got it wrong. And then yeah. I get ahead to Mary, I thought, oh, well, she, she obviously got it right. And I thought, well, Wait there wasn't that Reed much difference. Wrote. <laughs> yeah, we come back yeah. here. He, he said, how can this be? She said, how can this be? Yep. I've oftentimes wondered, how did she get off? How did she get to pass on that? And, uh, and I think it goes back to the heart of it. Uh, Zacharias is coming from, there's no way this is going to happen. Well, where I believe Mary is, how can this be? Meaning, I know it can happen, but just tell me, tell me how the plan is going to work out. Because there is this, uh, this hurdle of me being a virgin. Kind of, kind of is a big hurdle when it comes to having a baby. Yeah, and but I want to see uh, the exact wording of it mm-hmm. because I don't think they read identically. His I'll, I'll was a, a more in doubt. Yeah, there you go. I'll do a little bit of an introduction of what Luke is about. Uh, Luke is uh, Luke is a man. If you talk about somebody who was he's a doctor, but he was also one who loved to do research, and that's what he he sets out to do in Luke chapter one. Or he writes. Uh, he dedicates this book to a man named Theophilus. Theophilus means friend of God. Now, it could be uh, someone that was actually named Theophilus, or it could be written to anybody who's a general friend, friend, of, friend of God. But I believe there's a certain man, and he says, I, I did all this research, and I put together the accounts so that you can know for sure what, what took place. So I love that this is a, a well-researched, there's things that Luke, Luke tells us about, especially the birth of Christ, nobody else does. Yeah. But have, have you found that? In I have. So, so Zacharias is uh, 1 verse 18, mm-hmm. how can I be sure of this? Uh, I'm an old man and my wife as well as a long well in years. Um, hers is... How can this be? How can this be? Yeah. So and, how can I be sure of this yeah. versus how can this be? I think and, that's and my, that my certainty. My translation is, uh, how will I know this for certain? Right. That's well, it, yeah. well, you got an angel sitting there in front of you. Uh, <laughs> his name is Gabriel.
He stands in front of the presence of God. He's the messenger, angel of God. You can know for certain. And I think that's where uh, Gabriel didn't take too partial to that. Yeah. And so for nine months, uh, Zacharias is going to be silent and uh, not able to say a word. And uh, you know that's got to be that's got to be frustrating. Was it nine months or was it longer than that? Because it doesn't necessarily well, I mean, say that. Basically, you, Elizabeth's going to have the baby. And then when the baby is born, it's eight days after that. So. But was there a gap? Was did Gabriel visit at the time of John's conception? Yeah, there wasn't it, a lag. It would have been. Okay. Your, okay. I mean, I didn't know if they waited five years. We're looking at because then when uh, it goes into when the angel visits Mary, mm-hmm. uh, it says, and in the sixth month. Well, that was six yeah, months since. So okay. yeah. there really wasn't much of a lag time. Okay. So at most, yeah. <laughs> ten months. But okay. we're talking nine months, eight days. Ten days. So, uh, but still, uh, I think I think there's a couple things that I think we can learn from Zacharias there. That uh, one is, you know what, God's punishment, God's chastisement, if you will, His discipline sometimes is not. Nobody wants to go through it. At the same time, it produces it produces righteousness in us. Or at least it should. It did in, in Zacharias. You see a man of faith. But I think it's also something that oftentimes when, when, we're, when things don't go right or it would have been easy for Zacharias to say, well, where's God? Why is he mad? Why do I follow God if I'm going to be silent for nine months? No, you don't ever see any of that. And I think it's one of when we get into those situations, you know, don't, don't resort to that mad, uh, you know, rejecting God, but instead go towards God. And for nine months, I think I think my man was doing some research. I think my man was looking throughout the Old Testament because when he busts out in Luke chapter one, like we saw this past Sunday, my man is a, a, he is a sound theologian, ready to roll. Well, to kind of what I said last week, there's some there's a lot in silence and a, and a lot of good that comes of silence. I'd say nine months though, he had a lot of time to think and listen. <laughs> so he probably and my man was stored up. Now, I, I used to have I, it's, it's so funny. I used to have a uh, secretary. She was great, man. She she was not the best on a computer. She, in fact, I don't even know if she really knew how to turn it on. I don't mm-hmm. think she turned it off when she went home because she was just older. But now you talk about somebody that loved to talk and loved people. And if I went to the hospitals or I spent most of the day out mm-hmm. seeing folks and I came in and she ain't had nobody to talk to, that girl was stowed up. I mean, she was stored up to the point of as soon as you walked in, it was a flood of words coming my way of everything. She And that's kind of what Zachariah, man, for, for nine months, this has been building up and God's planning. And for 400 years, God's been silent. And now all of a sudden, man, God's working overtime. He ain't done anything for 400 years. He had. But the people hadn't seen it. For 400 years, the prophets were silent. For 400 years, where's God been at? And now, man, he shows up on the scene and he's going wild from a virgin having a baby to an old barren woman to, you see it at the end of chapter one, that the whole, uh, or when all this takes place, it, it's rumors and talk is starting to spread that the people in the hill country are like, what? Yeah. this is God. Yeah. yeah, God's back, so to speak, even though he never left. And I'm kind of torn between where I want to go with that next. I got two thoughts I could go mm. with on that and you know how my ADD is and I ran out of medicine yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> got to run by the drugstore yeah. on the way home. All these things that are, are going on, mm-hmm. you're talking about, and I, and I hear what you're saying there at the end of one and two, I mean, this is like, it's this is big time. Yeah. You know, and, and lots are God on. God has remembered. Yeah. God's go, coming back. God, God is doing his work. So when we fast forward many chapters and many years and we mm-hmm. get to the end of the story. Okay. 
these prophecies are not mysterious to anybody. These, everybody knows the, these prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled. Right. They've seen his power. They've seen the miracles. They've observed it. Do you just want to kill the Son of God? I mean, right. like, do they not believe? I mean, it's a difference in faith than what we talk about because right. they were literally there. They heard of these things. Did they not believe that he was really doing them? Yeah, I think I think you go back and you look at who it was that was kind of pulling the trigger on that. Now, now we know that uh, Jesus said, I have the authority to lay my life down and I have the authority to take it back up. No one takes my life from me. Mm-hmm. So, so in other words, Jesus was in full control of this thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, the ones that were playing or the ones that were trying to pull the strings behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, were, the, were the religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And, and even the ones that should have known the scriptures, should have known the prophecies, should have known and seen the signs and said, yeah, okay, this, this is the Son of God. No, for them it was a, it was a matter of keeping my position. Uh, here Jesus is. He's, he's preaching, as, as they would say, he teaches as one who has authority. Mm-hmm. In other words, this guy knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. The, these other guys, these these Pharisees, these Sadducees, they're they're just quoting rules. They're just they're, they're just going along to get along. Well, no, he you can tell mm-hmm. this guy knows it, mm-hmm. and this guy lives it, and he's he's warm, he's welcoming, he's he's the son. for some people they saw it, but for them. No, he's a he's a uh, he's a blasphemer. Uh, he he puts himself equal with God. Who can forgive sins? Nobody can forgive sins. And, and it was and and not to fault the Pharisees because listen, for the Pharisees they saw it as their job as we're never going back into exile again. Mm-hmm. So we're going to protect the one true faith. Mm-hmm. All right, and so for them, they had seen idolatry and all that is what caused them to go and spend, you know, seventy plus years in Babylon. Basically, mm-hmm. a whole generation and another half had to spend in slavery in, in in Babylon. God sets His people free. They come back. They rebuild the wall, Nehemiah, all that. So that's about four hundred BC. And so for for all that time, and no, it's a little bit more than that. I'm sorry, I got the wrong date, but it's more than 400 years. But 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 for all that time, the Pharisees saw themselves as we cannot let Israel go back into idolatry or slip away from the true religion. Mm-hmm. And the true religion is what we're guarding. So therefore, we're gonna keep our position. So so it really is a matter of position. Uh, I think it was a matter of power. And so Christ comes in and kind of threatens that whole apple cart. So do they just kind of blind, turn a blind eye? If, if he, how many, do you know off the top of your head how many prophecies Jesus fulfilled oh, in his time? Well, I mean, there, there's uh, one of my favorite, favorite um, illustrations is uh, there's, like, there's like 400 illust- uh, prophecies just dealing with uh, Christ, where he was born, how he would be, all these things, just the basic maybe first 30 years of his life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he fulfilled every one of those. That would be the equivalent of taking a silver dollar, putting an X on it. Take the state of Texas. I'm going to love fi- this part. Fi- fill up. <laughs> now, here's the go. Still take the state of Texas, fill it up to knee-high depth with silver dollars. Take that one uh, silver dollar you put the X on, throw it in with all the others. Put a man at the beginning or the, let's just say at the top of the Texas, that mm-hmm. little leg that sticks up because mm-hmm. it's an upside-down cow, that, uh, that leg that sticks up, putting a blindfold on him and telling him, you can walk anywhere in this state and see if you can pick out that coin. 
So it's like one in ten billion. I, yeah, I can't even yeah. remember. It's the exponential. Yeah. The 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 probabilities of somebody fulfilling all those prophecies is is unheard of. One is where are you going to be born? Well, Micah five two says you Bethlehem Ephratah is where the one would be born. Uh, then you then you begin to talk about where well, he had to line up that he had to be kin to David. Uh, you had to line up that it would be. I mean, there was so many different things that when you look at all the prophecies, it's a slam dunk if you really yeah. do it. Now, again, some people would say, well, it's the same book. You know, writer, writer, wrote this and that. Well, no. Isaiah was 700 years before Christ was even on the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah was this so many years before. Now, you could say, well, Matthew knew this, and then they sat down and created it and everything else. I don't know that anybody's that, that bright. Well, I mean, you can, the three wise men showing up in Bethlehem on the night of Jesus' birth, I mean, that's, that's yeah. one that, that, of one of the 400. But, yeah. I mean, how do they show up there if it wasn't by, by the Spirit of God? Well, it, it's that, and then they had some of the writings from, from David and from some of the others. They had some of those writings. Yeah. And so when they see this star, they begin to look, and they follow the star, then they go to the Jewish uh, sages or the Jewish people that, you know, they go to the temple and say, you know, where's he going to be born? Mm-hmm. That's how Herod gets a tip of it. So that, there again, you, you've got that going on of, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's a great, great way of illustrating of how in the world would they have known? Well, see, and, and I try not to let this go too far into like a science versus faith type no, thing, but right. at the same time, it's baffling to me sometimes how staggering the science <laughs> would be well, in our favor. But And, and it's one it's, of, I've always said this, is ultimately it all comes down to faith. I can give you all the science you want, and I can. I mean, there's a, there's plenty of it. But even if I gave you all the science in the, in the world of where you can see it, it's black and white, it's there in front of you, you still have to make that decision of, do I truly believe this? Am I willing to put my life in God's hand? Well, and I think that right now it's a science versus faith type of thing. Back then, it was not as much of a science versus faith. They were there. It didn't, but even they had a hard time believing, and they still had to have faith in the fact that is this real or not, even though yeah. they were observing it. But I'm, I guess my back to my question about the 400, where I was going to try to go with that. The the Pharisees, are they aware of the staggering odds against them and just ignoring it, or are they just maybe only paid attention to 75 of the 400 and they didn't really know about all of them? Well, pay attention and, and I think them. it's one of, did they know the Scriptures? Maybe they did. I think they knew the law. Mm-hmm. And their their whole thing was to know the law, interpret the law, and then they started adding their own flavor to the law mm-hmm. to where by the time it got to Jesus' time, that was that's nothing quite like that. I mean, that's why yeah. Jesus is like, no, you you have put all these burdens on these people, and you have you have taken the law and made it your own, added your own traditions to where it's not even close to what God yeah. intended, and and maybe that's why when Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I think he shows us what's at the very heart of the law. I think he also fulfills it perfectly in the fact that he obeys it. But but I mean, when you really look at just the Almost the point of contention between Jesus and the Pharisees, it, it is it is every other day the Pharisees are like, well, your disciples didn't wash your hands. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, well, y'all, y'all are straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. <laughs> you, you, you're doing all these things instead of, let's get to the heart of the, the matter. You know, well, you're healing people on, on, a, on a Sabbath, Jesus. That's wrong. Wait a second. 
Is the Sabbath made for man or is man made for the Sabbath? I mean, he, he turns everything on his head that they have made all these legalistic barriers and he turns it all around and says, wait a minute, it's about people. It's about the Lord. It's about knowing him, not just going through the motions, not just saying the right things or eating the right foods or doing this. No, it's about knowing him. So I'm gonna try, I gotta figure out how to ask this in a way that doesn't sound really stupid because it sounds stupid in my head, but I know I'm tr- what I'm trying to come up with here. I guess in, uh, <laughs> in the eyes of humans, yeah. Did Jesus change the definition of sin? And what I mean by that is we had the Ten Commandments and the law and the Bible, and then he kind of simplified that and, you know, do not worry, do not, yeah. uh, you know, love one another as you love yourself. These were all, quote unquote, new rules. Right. I right. suppose that he he shared with us or he, he brought. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm saying, the people who say that we followed all the. they People could say I followed the law right. in that day because there was a. We can't follow the laws because we can't be like right. Christ and everything. That we can't follow that law. They could technically follow that the law they had of that day. Mm-hmm. They didn't have their example or, or, or try their best to do try it. Try their and, best. And right. I think it's one. They still of, had that sinful nature. That's that, right. But but in their eyes, they might could think we checked all the sure. boxes. Sure, and that's I think that's why Jesus said, "Look, I I didn't come uh, for the self righteous." Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly what it is. I have fulfilled this law. Mm-hmm. He said, "I've come for the sick." Yeah, the doctor has come for the sick, and he makes house calls. I think it's one. Uh, think about the rich young ruler that went to Jesus and said, uh, "What do I need to inherit eternal eternal life?" Well, what does the law say? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. Do that and live. Then he wants to justify himself. Well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus points out the the parable of the Good Samaritan that it's more than just caring for your neighbor. It's caring for those that you may not like. Mm -hmm. Uh, Think about the rich young ruler where he says, oh, I followed the law since I was little. Mm -hmm. Okay, one thing you lack. (laughs) You know, you're so tied up with your money and Mm -hmm. so tied up in stuff. Go and sell all you possess and follow me. And the scripture says that the rich young ruler went away crying or went away sad. I mean, it's it's one of those of, yeah, Jesus is going to get down to the heart of the matter, not just going through the motions yeah. of, uh, is it going to be real? I was joking with Mama, which, by the way, today's Mama's birthday. Hey! Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I birthday. hope I get to tell her that before she hears the podcast. There I better go. go to see her later. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but um, anyway, she, um, I was talking to her last week about this, and I'm, again, probably should know the answer to this but just to shortcut it could you I, I asked the question to her I want to add up how many times Jesus uh, criticized or uh, reprimanded <coughs> somebody for one of what I would call like the traditional sins that we as humans think of you know, right you're, you're you're obviously the commandments but gossiping and just right, all, all right. the things that we think of as the bad with adultery and language and all these different things versus he, he Almost every example, or maybe every single example that I find, is him criticizing the self-righteous, right, right, not the traditional sinner. I think there's a few, uh, few places, and again, I, I don't know whether I would say it. They, they was coming down hard on them as much as uh, think of the woman at the well in John chapter four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, go get your husband. Oh well, and Jesus says, "Well, you're right. <laughs> the, the you don't you've had four husbands, and the one you're living with." You're not even married to him, so mm-hmm. let's let's talk about your past. Your past is pretty rough, mm-hmm. and uh, or John eight, where he, he uh, the lady that was 
caught in adultery even though they didn't have the other one. You know, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's those kind of things that I don't think he comes down harsh as much as it is. Yeah, I think he is more condemning about self-righteousness, uh, kind of a, and, and here's the thing. I believe there are two things that if you really look at the Gospels, I believe Jesus comes down hard on two things, self-righteousness and unbelief. Yeah. To the woman caught in, caught in adultery, you get go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. For the self-righteous Pharisees or those lacking faith, you get <laughs> oh, seven, eight, ten verses. It would, be, it would be easier for Sodom and Gomorrah than it's going to be for right, you. Exactly. Because if they had seen the miracles that I had done here, mm-hmm. they would have repented. Right. Uh, woe unto you, for you have done this. I mean, it is, it's, it's not a pretty picture of what the... the um, uh, the animosity, and I won't say because he didn't hate them, but it, it was a lot of just anger between between the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, versus you know Jesus was willing to forgive those who were willing to come to him as they are, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's the whole key. Uh, now he did cr- come down pretty hard on unbelief. Mm-hmm. You know wh- why'd you wake me up? Did you mm-hmm. not? Do you not believe? Yeah. Oh, ye of little faith. What? What? Is, I mean, because he comes down the hardest on unbelief. Self righteousness. Yeah, I, I think that's in. And if we could, uh, I, I really believe if we can figure out those two, <laughs> I think our walk with the Lord will be so much. Uh, I'll put it this way: I believe it would be a lot fresher mm-hmm. because one, when you walk in self righteousness, there is this um, this air of, of staunchiness and this air of I'm better than others. That, ugh, you know. Versus, hey man, when when you know that uh, God has forgiven you so much. Yeah, you, you, there's a different air. And I think the other thing is when you believe what he says he's going to do, yeah, faith, faith makes all the difference in the world. Well, I think kind of getting back to Mary a little bit, you talk about demonstrating those two things, humility. Uh, which humility is, plays yeah. closely with not being oh. self-righteous. I mean, you know what she calls yeah. herself the bondservant of the Lord. That's pretty right. humble. That's pretty humble. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about humility and faith, I mean, again, like I asked last week, was there ever a time when she really questioned or showed doubt? It's implied that I'm sure she was scared in a lot of sure. ways. Well, I mean, what she had to go through. I yeah. mean, the social stigma, the people looking down. Did you hear what, did you hear the, the you know, Joseph's not the daddy. The, all those things that she would have had to deal with. Well, and sometimes, I didn't think about this till this morning as I was reading through it. They weren't married at Jesus' birth, right. before Jesus' yeah. birth. So it wasn't just at the time of concession. She did, at <clears throat> When they're in Bethlehem, she's... The pregnant single person, yeah, again, or you know, at least she's not by herself, but right. Joseph is with her, and Joseph did everything he was supposed to do, yeah. That uh, Matthew 1 that uh, the angel instructed him, but you're exactly right. I mean, you, you're talking about a pregnant teenage girl, maybe 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. Not, not the best of starts. Mm-hmm. You really want to know, I mean, if you really looked at it. Yeah. And think about it. I mean, you're talking about wasn't born in a hospital, wasn't born in a castle, even though he was of the line of David. Um, born in a, a a manger or in a basically a cave or a barn, and because there was no room for him in a hotel. Right. Yeah, that's about as humble and poor and lowly of a birth as you can get. Yeah. If you really think about it. Yeah. So, and that's what that's what the, the creator of the universe did for us. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild, man. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so go ahead. I had a, uh, God gave me a cool analogy yesterday. <laughs> and it kind of set up a second ago when you said he was, they didn't see him for 400 years. He was still there. They didn't see mm. him for 400 years. 
But I'm on a, I'm on a walk last night. So I guess I kind of, to, to give a little bit of a backstory to this real quick, um, another, I took a one-two punch Monday on Friday afternoon at work. I mean, I got just bam, bam, two bad things in a row. Right. <laughs> and then Saturday I'm trying to, you know, fight off another one of those uh, those weekends. You know, I, mean, right. I have a bad weekend or a bad whatever. So and I, I was trying to stay alert, but I and spiritually alert, and but it was still aggravating yeah. and frustrating. Weekend. Well, and your mind gets divided. It does. Being worried, it does. And then yesterday, yesterday, last night was kind of my first quiet time in two or three, four days, and was on my walk, and God sort of hit me with a lot of stuff on my walk, and it was I, I got a little bit of a sense of like this was important, and that's why you didn't hear from me for a couple of days because you needed to deal with the kids, and that was more important. Now that you've got some quiet time, I've got right. some stuff I want you to listen to, and. Had a cool thing. Well, as I'm walking, real pre-sunset, and I'm staring at the sun as I'm kind of walking off, and it, I go down a hill, and the sun falls behind the house. Right. And as I'm kind of thinking and, and, and looking at this, I guess the analogy God kind of gave is you can't see me anymore, but you still see the light around it, mm-hmm. right? And no matter where this thing goes down, you know where I'm at. You're, I'm literally right on the other side of that, that house right. right now. You know, You could point to where I'm at. You can't see me. Right. But you can point. And I don't care how far down this hill you nice go, analogy. you're still going to be able to see my light. That's right. And even when it's on the, and, I, and then I really got to stretch into this, well, what about nighttime? Well, mm-hmm. I can see the moon, and that's yeah. a reflection. And I don't care if you can't see the moon. You've always got the heat. You've always got all these other evidences of the sun. And, and, that, we, that and we know where it's at. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the early man probably didn't or had some kind of sense of it, but, but we know where it's at, and we still see evidence of it even at night mm-hmm. uh, with the moon or with the – and you're exactly right. I think that is a great analogy that you can't always see it, and it may not always be as uh, bright, but it's there. It was that um, – Lo, I'm with you always kind mm-hmm. of. That, is, that was maybe the verse that would have been described in there is that even if you can't see me, I'm there always. I'm yeah. always there you work on being yourself, and I'll work on who that is. That's right. Okay? You just you do what you need that, to do. That's, that's his job. <laughs> uh, seek you first the kingdom and his righteousness. I'll take care of the rest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, or as I like to say, tend to my business, I'll tend to yours. Yeah. And that's God saying that. So uh, if you'll tend to his, he'll, he'll tend to yours. And uh, that's, that's tough because we want it now. And want it, want to answer right now. Uh, but he, he's got that. I've, 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 man, I've... I've claimed it. I know it. I'm ready for him to to show it. Well, and when when you look at at faith in those tough times and and, and all that, that I think one of the things that's maybe been surprising to me as mm-hmm. we've gotten closer and deeper into this stuff is that I thought if I'm seeking God that He's going to be talking twenty four seven and He's mm-hmm. always right there all the time. But that to that point of you know I wanted to, the show if anything to be about the realness of a relate. Okay, well yeah. in a real relationship with God, He's quiet a lot of times. Yeah. And when I the first time you you maybe said that to me, whether it was on the show or privately, or whatever, and I heard sometimes God's not going to talk to us. Well, why? Yeah. What are you be talking about? I mean, I figured He's there on command. Anytime He's I call, He's going to want to talk back. <laughs> That's not how He works. And sometimes, because over the weekend I was getting aggravated because I'm like, God, I'm asking for peace and comfort and all this stuff, and it's not really helping. I'm asking, and I'm trying, right. but yeah, you know, I need to hear something to calm me down, and I didn't hear much. Right. But then, you know, yesterday it was like, all right, now you can listen. You couldn't listen yesterday. I didn't right. bother talking then. It was too important for that. Now we'll talk. Yeah. I was like, okay, I got it. But there is a realness to that, and there are going to be times that he can't be seen. He can't make himself be right. seen the way you want it to be. But his evidence is there, and you know right where he's at. Yeah, and I think that's uh, – <laughs> it, it really does. It, it goes back to a lot of it is uh, trusting his promises 
And he may not remind you of them. Or he might not spay them to you. Uh, this is one of where you, you hold on to the promises that you've memorized. Uh, wait a second. You've told me, uh, point blank, Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set upon you. So therefore, even if I don't hear from you, and even if it didn't, as if it's a crazy time in my life, now I'm gonna have my mind set upon you, and therefore I know I got that peace. You've told me, uh, God, that uh, that if I'll seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, recipe at, so I'm gonna trust that. You you've told me, God, that if I will uh, be thankful in all situations and submit my request with thanksgiving. And, and, and then it says the peace of God will guard my mind and heart in Christ Jesus. All right, God, you've told me this, so I'm believing it. I'm walking mm-hmm. in. So, so a lot of times, that, that's where spiritual maturity comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think we use the analogy, and I think it's, it's always a good reminder. Um, there comes a time, I don't have to tell my college kid, go brush your teeth. Yeah. He, he knows to brush his teeth at yeah. night. Uh, the reason being is, Dad gum, you're 20 years old. You ought to be mature enough. Well, we're we're spiritually mature, and we grow into that to where okay, we don't we don't necessarily have to be um, patty caked, but at the same time, there are going to be times when God, we need to hear from you, mm-hmm. or God, I, I'm not sure what I need to do here, so I'm just going to wait on you, mm-hmm. and and those are those are the times where you just trust in His promises, and that's where that spiritual maturity kicks in. It really does that you hold on to the promises He's made. And you, you don't have to go back and check all the time. Yeah, and I think that it's easy to say, seek. All right, so like, let's take this weekend when I'm kind of in a grumpy mood, and I know why I'm in a grumpy mood, and I'm working through it, and it's a bit, and I'm trying, I'm doing. My, you know, mine's called this Christmas. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so many things I got to get done. Oh, I, yeah, Christmas is not a fun one for that. The other day I was going to Target. I had to go to Target for something. And, we pull in, and uh, I'm trying to find a parking space, and I couldn't. And I and I just started driving to the exit, and Reese said, "Where, where are we going? I thought we were going to Target." I said, "We ain't tonight." Going <laughs> home, I've had enough. No, for me, I it's, can't even uh, get out. You know, I, like for instance, I, my mom today was, well, "I need to get my ham," and I said, "What? What ham are you talking about? You know, you go and get my ham from that place every year. I got to start soaking it if I'm going to cook it by Christmas." And I'm like. Oh boy! So that means I gotta make a run tonight after work all the way down to Dunn Benson to get. And it's kind of like, Lord, I don't have time for ham. And uh, let's let's just hey, look. I'll go get us a ham, honey yeah. bacon. And we'll go. <laughs> so Christmas is a a busy, crazy time. You got so many things. I'm trying to get everything done here at the office because I want to spend time. Daniel's coming home, so I want to spend time with him. And so I'm trying to get stuff done, and it is just. Uh, it's to the point of it's like I told somebody today. I said, "Man, I, 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 I am running myself ragged that I'm ready for Christmas to be over, and we're not even here." That's gotta be here. harder for a pastor, isn't it? Because I mean, it's, it's well, there's a lot we all, going on we all have that. But there's this balance around the holidays. We yeah. want to be able to enjoy the true meaning of it. Okay, right. for, for Christians, we want to be able to enjoy the sure. what it's all about. But if you're if you're a Christian, and I can make the argument, the more involved you are in Christianity, the more busy, festive things at you church. have that you're yeah. doing at church. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, uh, December 3rd, we had, the, just an instance, December 3rd, we had the Christmas parade in Fuqua, and we did a float, you know, as an outreach, and we were talking mm-hmm. to folks. Well, I, I got halfway through the float, or parade, ran down a road to get into my car so I could be at a musical that, mm-hmm. uh, that our church was doing in Garner. 
And then two weeks later, we're doing the same musical, this time for us. And that was great, by the way. And, I, and I'll, I'll share a little something with you uh, there at the end um, of how God, God answered something that was so neat. But anyway, uh, and so, yeah, it's something every single Sunday. It's something every single, you know, almost night mm-hmm. that, uh, that you've got to do. And the younger your family is, you know, they've got their recitals. They've got programs. They've got... So, yeah, it's, a, it's almost... It, and that's one of the things that I have to remind myself and remind the church is don't let Christmas become so much that you miss the fun. The, not the fun. Yeah. The, the real the meaning yeah, and the, the worship and the time of, Lord, thank you that you remembered your promise. Thank you that you saved me. Because I don't mean to be ugly. Running, running to 55 different shows and putting on this outfit and going to get a ham in the other side of creation because mm-hmm. that's where the best ham is. I don't know that that says happy birthday, Jesus. But, hey, <laughs> traditions are traditions, and it's something that, hey, you do, and you look forward to it. I was reminded this morning with a guilt trip because <laughs> I came in here a little bit, kind of, I didn't get in here till like 10, 30, 11 because I had to run errands for, mm-hmm. again, my mom's going crazy with Christmas. And uh, and and, and my, my administrative assistant said, I'd do anything at all I could do if I could have one more Christmas with my mama. And I said, all right, you ain't got to go there. I, I, I get it. I get it. All right. You, 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 you proved your point. I'm wrong. <laughs> Let's move on. So, so it's one of enjoy them while you got them. And don't, don't, don't let the uh, tyranny of the urgent or the urgency of the tyranny, tyranny of the urgency, yeah. urgent, take away from the beauty of, Hey man, how many more Christmases have I got with yeah. my parents? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think just enjoying the, like you said, the, I like what I think I've heard you say before, but great thing about Christmas is don't leave him there. Yeah. Don't forget what he, you know, where finish he the story, finish man. The story. Take the story on out. That's just the beginning of God remembering his, his promises. Yeah. yeah. So the recital, you said uh, nah. there was something really cool. No, no, no. Listen, um, it was kind of neat because on December 3rd, Avisboro, that's where we had to do it because we, we, we're, we're out of our sanctuary until this Sunday. We're back in. Okay. And so we weren't able to do the Christmas concert here. So mm-hmm. we had to double up. So December 3rd, Avisboro did their por- portion. Mm-hmm. So their pastor did the invitation. Their pastor read the narration. He did all that. Our two choirs sung together. Well, December 17th was our night. Mm-hmm. So I did the narration, and I, I presented the gospel. And all week long, I mean, since the third, I've known, okay, Lord, I get a chance here to, to share the truth, and I knew the program, and I said, Lord, I, I need a gospel illustration. Help me to see. Two weeks go by. God, God has not provided. Every time I look at something, I'm like, okay, God, that must be it. No, that's not it. You know, okay, we'll move on. Well, the night of. Uh, I'm sitting there, and as soon as I get in the car and I'm driving up to Garner, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you, you haven't provided. I know you're going to. You told me on Friday. Don't worry. This I is in you. the car on the way yes. there. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, i, I got to speak in front of, I don't know, several hundred people, and I don't have any idea what I'm going to say. Lord, you said you're going to provide an illustration, so I'm going to wait for it. Is it the rain? Is it my windshield wipers? <laughs> is there something you're showing me I'm not seeing? I turn into the church, into the driveway, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't have it, and I'm, I'm just not sure what I'm going to do, and I'll just, all right, I'll wing it when I get up there. And um, lo and behold, as soon as I turned into church, now remember, Sunday, it rained a monsoon. I mean, we got three, four inches of rain, and I'm still looking at my illustration. Well, I pull up to let the folks that rode with me get out of the car. 
And there was a guy standing there at the at the car uh, with an umbrella from Avisboro Baptist. And I thought to myself, man, they they really got a good greeters ministry. They got their, their guys trained well. Well, it wasn't a greeter. It was their pastor. He was greeting people at the thing. And he was sitting there holding the umbrella for anybody as soon as they get out and walking them to, to, the, to the door. And when I got in, I parked the car and I got in. Man, he was wet from head to toe. I mean, because he's holding the umbrella, making sure they don't mm-hmm. get wet. And, uh, and man, what a, what a beautiful illustration of what Christ did for us. In mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. Here he was taking all the wet, if you will, mm-hmm. to make sure they got dry in the building. Uh, I made the joke that uh, if that happened at Fuquay, y'all going y'all all going to have wet pants. I'm going to be inside dry laughing at you. Look at him out there. <laughs> and uh but no, there'd be some that be I'd go get them. Uh, but uh, but I mean, what what a beautiful picture of the covering that he provides of how he took our sins upon himself and and I was just sitting there thinking, Lord, thank you that you mm-hmm. wait. I said, next time you don't have to wait till the last minute. But it's one of that is one that's kind of like what you're talking about. So sometimes he's not going to give us exactly uh, everything we need to know. Our uh, you know miles and miles and miles in advance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be just as soon as you make that last turn, there it is, and he does it. And and I think that goes back to. Do you trust his faithfulness? Yeah. That he says he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Zacharias, I believe when you look at Zacharias, you see that. Nine months earlier, <laughs> how could I be certain of this? Mm-hmm. you you got to give me some kind of sign, Gabriel, because uh, I ain't believing Could you paraphrase and say basically Zacharias had the guts to say prove it to God's angel? <laughs> That's basically what it is. Prove it. I need a sign. How can I be certain of this? Uh, you know, yeah, you, you, I see you standing in front of me, and obviously you, you know, he had to have been taken aback. But how can I be certain? Hey, man, <laughs> what more do you need? And uh, but then when he, when his mouth, when his tongue loosens up nine months later, it's already accomplished. Mm-hmm. God has a God has visited. God has redeemed past tense, and so he's become a man of faith. That he was saying, "How can I be certain?" To no, it's it's completed. Game over. Yeah, you know, go ahead and chalk it up. We won this one. Mm-hmm. We ain't played yet. Jesus ain't born yet. No, it's accomplished. Yeah, because because God said it. Yeah, so and I think we. I asked that question last week about in from Mark seven eight it, mm-hmm. that he said it past tense that yeah. it's already been given to you. Yeah, I love it. And that's that's the example there. It's it's, it's yeah. He's he's using it in past tense, and Jesus hasn't even been born yet. Mm-hmm. But it's if God said it, it's done. Period. He knows it. Now it took nine months of silence. Took nine months of you know who knows what went on in that nine months, but he he gets it now, yeah. And and I think that that's where I go back to a while back or a few shows back. I said I think it's a lot of times it's more about the journey than it is the destination. Sometimes with God, I think it's he he wants you to be with him mm-hmm. and and to to have that relationship. And you know, no parent likes their kids asking, them, "Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet?" Uh-huh. Right? And sometimes I think that might be kind of confusing. So it. at times, and I think it is uh, the journey. The journey is uh, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, we know where the destination. We want we want the destination, and he's interested in the destination as well. But that day in day out following, that day in day out believing, that day in day out walking with him, that that's what God's interested in. 
that, that other 167. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I want to fast forward just a little bit to Jesus in the temple also. Uh-huh. Because I think that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't gotten really into John yet, uh-huh. but Luke seems to be the most detailed on the child, the early years of Jesus. Uh, Mar- Matthew, you get, get. Matthew gets into it some, Smidge. but not a lot. Yeah. But Luke really dives in. Yeah, very, very little bit. Matthew talks about him having to go into Egypt to flee from Herod and then come back. Uh, the Magi come and visit. But even then, you know, you don't get much. Yeah. Uh, Luke, Luke is probably the one where you get a little bit more than anything else in like one story of what he did as a as a boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Passover time, and uh, Mary and Joseph, you know, you travel with family. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure the caravan could have been as many as 50, 70 people. Is this kind of like a Home Alone type of situation? It's very <laughs> much a Home Alone situation. <laughs> uh, that's a great way My to put it. My kids love that movie. Uh, and I'm sure it is one of those that, for, for Mary and Joseph, okay, he must be with his mama, or he must be with his daddy, or he's out playing with John the Baptist. They're over there, you know, Took four cars because you travel in a caravan, mm-hmm. four donkeys behind us, and mm-hmm. they're back there just lot, you know talking. Well, sooner or later, either you stop and okay, I got to buy the boy a pack of nabs. He got to be hungry <laughs> or something. I don't know how you traveled back then, but I'm sure there were certain stops you had to make. Of well, where where is he? Had to refill the camel. Well, I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you, and I thought he was with John the Baptist back there, you know, playing football, throwing the ball around, or whatever. And they realized, man, we we got to go find him. And man, we can use God's son. (laughs) I mean, put that on your parenting resume. That is of all the boneheaded things I've done. I ain't never lose. I didn't never lose God's son. I've lost a child. I uh, found him quickly, but uh, but I've never lost God's son. So, but but man, you know that. So, you know they they're heading back to Jerusalem as fast as they can to find him mm-hmm. because they're they they go and they ask all the family members, "Have you seen him? Seen him? Seen him?" No, 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 no. So they get back and lo and behold, there he is, basically a twelve year old uh, Jesus sitting in the temple, uh, basically holding court. With, with the scribes and the priests and those that know the law and those that know the scriptures, that they were amazed with his, with his wisdom uh, at 12 years old. And uh, so much so, and I love it, that Mary, you know she's about ready to, I mean, can you imagine? I'd be ready about ready to, okay, relieved I found my boy. Now I'm going to kill him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. Well, and she asks, I mean, yeah. she, she says when she does find him, let's see. Well, he basically says to her, then Why were you looking for it? Yeah. yeah, basically, did you not know I would be here? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Yeah. In other words, where else would I be? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm sure Mary had to be thinking to herself, let me tell you where else you better be. But I know where where you are. And uh, But, yeah, how, how – how, uh, mm, I don't even know how you handle that as a, as a Mary. Well, this is what she – so she says uh, – I thought – yeah, I knew that – when she said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So she was not happy about it. No, and he kind of said, mom, I was where you should have known I was going to be. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but, um, but it wasn't just that he was listening. You said he was holding court. Yeah. And I guess as I'm reading it, 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 does, it does it clearly state whether he was teaching versus listening or just a collaboration of, of he and the, the... Well, I mean, if you look at uh, verse uh, 46, it says he was listening to them and asking them and questions. And asking questions. So I, I imagine... So he wasn't necessarily preaching, now, so I don't know that he, he was, was telling them questions. what it means, but I guarantee you the questions he was asking was well beyond his, his uh, 12 years of age. 
and I'm sure that it was something that, uh, well, I, I have, um, many years ago, I, I was put together a, a Christmas play that I want to do one year, and it basically is this, mm-hmm. or, or an Easter play. Mm-hmm. And what it is is I, I want to have one of the priests uh, who was sitting there saying, yeah, I saw him at 12 years old. And some of those questions he was asking, and he follows Christ, and basically mm-hmm. he reenacts that until the point of, you know, he he's wrestling with what faith is, and he sees Christ crucified. So, uh, I, I oftentimes wonder. I wonder if any of those guys, uh, you know, did follow his career or follow his life. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it says, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So, so yeah, he was asking questions, but he was also giving some answers to where, okay, so these guys who do this for a living are kind of, here's a 12-year-old, and this 12-year-old pretty much knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm sure it goes beyond just the word prodigy. But, yeah. But that's the, yeah. probably the one that comes to mind. It's like, wow, this, this one knows what he's talking about, but no, he did. <laughs> and you wonder, you wonder, okay, uh, was this a product of Mary and Joseph and that they... They, they taught him the scriptures early on, or is this a product of hey, if anybody had a kind of a kind of an in yeah <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe it was him that he you know i don't know i mean that's that's amazing to me is okay, is it just the fact that he took to it or he had you know i I don't know so there's something you're kind of bringing something up in a way or you're not bringing it up, but it's making me think of this. The concept of the Holy Trinity, God and Father mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit, is one that my mom has always talked about. That she just has a hard time wrestling with that. Sure, one. we do. I never have right. until recently, and now I'm starting to wrestle with it more mm-hmm. as I'm starting to understand. Okay, there is a distinction here that I wasn't quite gathering, and I'm still working through it. I guess, yeah. but they are not the exact same thing. Jesus is praying to God the Father. Jesus right. refers to God the Father as it's not he's not talking about himself yesterday right. or himself tomorrow. Right. He's talking about his Father in heaven. Um the Holy Spirit is sent ahead of Jesus. So I've always kind of thought of the Holy Spirit as being Jesus's spirit, but it was sent ahead of Jesus yeah. in ways. In a way, so, but it really came into uh full fruition and I hate to say full fruition cuz he was with the with them in the beginning, but uh, he, he really comes on the scene and is now living in us. So to say that he's the spirit of Christ, nothing wrong with that because that, that, he's called that in the scripture a time or two. But the, so the Holy Spirit is the, the Holy Spirit sit beforehand. Was, was that not part of what was um, driving Mary and Elizabeth? Sure, in, in, sure. That was a part of it. That was but a part now, of it. Because it thing. says the Holy Spirit entered uh, Elizabeth. Right. In, in the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit would come from time to time and he would um, impart, uh, set on, or be with certain people. Whether it was a Samson when he's about to whoop a, you know, uh, a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey or, or with uh, David when he prophesies. Uh, you would see the Spirit of God come and go. But now... Uh, and even with Mary and, and uh, uh, Zacharias. But now, after we get to Acts 1-8, and, uh, and, and Christ says, you will be my disciples, and then, then, uh, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will have power, and you will be my disciples. Well, after Acts 1-8, and we get to Pentecost, that's 50 days after Jesus is resurrected, the Holy Spirit comes. And now, what's so neat is the Holy Spirit now indwells us and empowers us, where in the past he would visit 
and mm-hmm. land upon and go from person to person. And uh-huh. he may indwell just for a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was not a constant indwelling. And so we have that that's a little bit different. And I think we have to be careful of, okay, so this is how God related to his people here, and then he related to them when Christ came, and then the Spirit. Well, that's more of a modalism, and that's not an accurate picture of the Holy Spirit. It, it is very difficult. What is modal? Mod- each one has a different mode. Okay. All right. And, and, and in a way... There's some aspects of that that you have to get to of, okay, Christ is the redeemer. Christ is the one who came and made the sacrifice. So that was his operation and role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the father was the one who demanded, who had, uh, who, who, who requires the sacrifice because mm-hmm. of his holiness and his justice. I mean, it is one of trying to get to that place to where you truly understand one God, three persons. And those three persons, how they operate in those in that is very difficult, and there's no way to truly. I've seen people try to explain it like it's uh, like it's a raindrop, it's steam, and it's ice. They're all water. No, that's that's modalism. I've I've heard that before, and that's been honestly that's been the thing that I've said before yeah. to say that's the and closest. And it may like, help, but it, the problem, the thing is, it can't exist in the same in all three states at one time. One right. molecule of water can't be right. all three at one time. That's it. And God can be. That's so it. That's and, it and you've got that. I've heard people describe it as a uh, a four leaf clover. Mm-hmm. That it's one that. Maybe, but even then, you start getting into that that modalism that it's very difficult to to truly truly grasp. And I think it's one of we have to be careful because you're talking about something that is eternal. You're talking about something that is so uh, infinite, and we're finite. Mm-hmm. And so when we begin to try to compare it to an egg or, to or ice yeah. or a four leaf clover or anything else or even me. Uh, you know, case in point, okay, I'm a grown man, I'm a husband. I'm a grown man, I have kids. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown man. Also, my, my, my brother has a son, so now I'm an uncle. So now I'm three in one. Well, wait a minute. That's, that, again, goes back to that modal or that mode of operation of dad. I'm a husband to her. I'm a, I'm a nephew to him or an uncle to him and to my nephew. And that, that, that doesn't define it as either. Uh, d- define it as well. It might help us to kind of sort of comprehend it, but it's not really the true true picture of what the Trinity is. It, we're, I don't think that we're... I'm not trying to get to how we're <laughs> going to nail down the perfect one. I don't think any of them are. Well, let, let's just put it this way. For, for uh, close to 3,000 years, 2,000 years, theologians who are a lot smarter than me have been trying to offer this up from uh, uh, various treaties to various times and councils that they had, that they tried their best to try to explain it. And if they didn't do it, I'll go ahead and let, we're not going to do it in the next three minutes. No, no, no. And I didn't, and, and that's the thing. And I, and I don't, I would have said a few months ago, it doesn't matter. Right. And it, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it still does. I don't know. But the reason that I'm asking it now is, is I'm probably trying to nail down exactly these relationships, right? Because, mm. I think in some of the, uh, I'll ask the question, when I'm looking at Jesus, is, do I look at Jesus as a father or Jesus as a brother? Hmm. Well, and that's it. The script, scripture says that we are co-heirs with Christ and that he is, uh, we call him friend. We call him, he is a, a brother. At the same time, uh, apart from Jesus, we don't know the father. Right. And it is one of, you know, when it says that uh, the only begotten, of the Father. That that only begotten means of the very nature of. 
And I think we got to get back to, okay, so Christ is the very nature of God. Uh, he comes as God in flesh. Uh, and so he helps us to see what God is like. If God were like one of us, you know, the old That's, song, yeah. what, if he were like one of us, well, he'd be like Christ. Yeah. That's that's it, because he was God in flesh. Yeah. And and now the Spirit comes after after Christ, and now the Spirit of God now lives in us to help us again to relate back to the Father. So it's kind of one of those things of, yeah, that's, again, that, that modalism is, is hard to get away from. But I think it comes back to, okay, what are their different roles? Because they do have roles. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The the Spirit does not do anything to draw attention to himself, but instead he's going to always point back to Christ and then the glory of the Father. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's given to us to enable us to exercise our gifts so that why? We can encourage others, but more importantly, we glorify the Father. That's that's the Spirit's MO. So so anytime and that's one of the things that you have to be careful about because there are some denominations that overemphasize the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's all about they're getting the Spirit. Now, nothing against, you know, uh, being excited and all that. But the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, no, he's always going to point to Christ. He's going to always point to who the Father is. I don't, um, I, I make no claim that this is anywhere close to being 100% accurate. Hmm. But I could see an, an explanation of it as being, as you, as you, I want to be careful that I'm not making it sound like I'm trying to rank them. But if you wanted to put it in order of God, then the Son, then the Holy Spirit, you could say that that is a step towards relatability for us each way. It, Jesus showed us the human form of that, but then Jesus had to depart from us and go back right. to heaven, and he left the spirits to And he said, it's even better day. that I do that. Right. Because the Spirit's going to come and enable all of you. Jesus was limited. Right. I'm right he here was one in person. Jerusalem. Right, exactly. Where now the Spirit of God... Is in all of us. He can speak to me and you at the same time that's on right. opposite sides of the globe. That's right. And and that's something that Jesus couldn't. No, uh, couldn't he do limited himself to right. do that. So yeah, and so but yeah, if you had to, and I think I think there is kind of a a ranking. I think they are equal at the same time. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So yes, they're three in one. They're equal, but at the same time, I believe the the Son would uh, be subservient or would serve the Father and mm-hmm. say, "No, He's the Father." And, and I think there's examples of that. Yes, I mean, there's oh, you know, yeah. he, he sure he had the power to get himself off of the cross, right. but he you know in, in his he said, "My not my will, yours be done." Everything that's it's, right. It's your. It was all his will. So he was submissive, um, and I think that's. Like I said, it's never really been something that I've nailed down too much, but it's like, well, who am I praying to? Am I praying to Jesus? Right. Am I praying to God? And when well, I hear or that, did Jesus talk to himself? Because right. he was God. Yeah. God in flesh. But yeah. but I think there is a, a a slight difference. Well, when we say our prayers, Heavenly Father, yeah. and then we ask name. this in Jesus' name. Yeah. And I mean, and by your spirit, would you teach us? Right, yeah. right. So I mean, we, we break them down into different things yeah. there. But when I'm praying, I don't usually pray to Jesus, but I... I suppose I do sometimes. Might do that. I mean, I, I, nothing wrong with worshiping him. Yeah. that's for sure. Uh, and it's one of you know. I, I usually, I I sometimes blur the lines, and I'll have to catch myself and say, "Wait, wait a second. Am I praying? Am I praying right?" <laughs> well, and I got to be careful here. Two two minutes and James yeah. left, but um, I don't know. I think you're lately. I, I find myself. Pre- Having maybe my own little relationships with each of the three of them in their own—it's a different way of communicating. Quite really. wrong with that. Yeah, at I mean, all. It's, it, there are times that I'm praying 
to God and the Father. Right. And then there's other times where yeah, maybe even especially this time just of year, where you just by thank you, Jesus, for all beauty, this, His beauty, His grandeur, yeah. for dying for me, for salvation. On Christmas, I ain't gonna say God tell, tell, tell Jesus happy birthday. I'll say Jesus happy birthday. <laughs> <right>. You know, <laughs> and, and Lord, thank you, thank you for coming, right, and, and providing salvation. You're exactly right, yeah. and, and I think it's one too of, um, you know, I, I think it's one of. I was asked this question. And I think it's a fair question. Okay, so when we get to heaven, is it gonna be three of them or one? And when I read Revelation, sure does look like there's going to be three. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the Father's sitting on the throne, and he says, well, who's worthy to open the scrolls? And all of a sudden, I saw a lamb that looked like he had been slain since the foundation of the world. It was Jesus who was worthy to take the scrolls. Sounds like two or three different people there. And so I, I believe there is. And then he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Yeah. So, I, And again, how I'm going to wrap my mind around that, I, I'm going to have to wait and see. I can't wait because I'm going to be like, why didn't you give us more information yeah. on that? Because if that's how it worked, okay, I think we'll see clearly. But right now we're, we're looking through a dim glass. But, oh, man, one day we're going to see clearly and we'll see him as he is. Yeah. It's really cool stuff, man. Well, I think this is uh, it until Christmas for us. So Merry Christmas. Woo! Hope you Merry and Christmas. family have a good We're going to make it. I'm going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will uh, see you next week. All right, man. Merry Christmas, brother. Thank you.